This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Well, good afternoon and welcome to Vancouver Consumer. I'm Sterling Fox. In just a few minutes, we'll welcome Abby Langer, food and nutrition expert who will have all sorts of tips and good advice for enjoying the feasts and treats of the holiday season while still maintaining some kind of balance in your life. Tough assignment these days. In our second hour, Stuart Zuckerman, founder and senior partner of the Zuckerman Law Group, will be back to take your calls and talk about family law issues. But first, here are some of the top consumer stories we're following this week. The latest labor force survey came out this week and we learned Canada's unemployment rate is at its lowest in more than 40 years, going back to 1976 when we began collecting this data. Employment has increased in most provinces, particularly Ontario, Quebec, and B.C. Hard to miss is the sharp rise in employment in the cannabis industry, up 250% from last year, with most of those jobs in the agricultural or growing and production end of the industry. The average hourly wage in that sector, 29 almost $30, $29.58, compared to the national average of $27.03. The rest of the employment spread across a number of other industries, educational services, healthcare and the retail trade taking up a lot of that as to the layoffs announced by General Motors recently they won't impact the statistics until they actually happen about this time next year the Bank of Canada left its interest rate unchanged this week and says the timing of future hikes will depend on factors like how long the oil price slump lasts, how well business investment picks up its pace, and how much room the economy still has left to grow. The central bank is holding its trend-setting rate at 1.75%. The Bank of Canada has been on a gradual rate-hiking path now for more than a year thanks to that strengthening economy and has already raised the interest rates five times since the summer of 17. The bank says it will keep a close eye on the evolution of recent developments as it considers the timing of its next rate hike, including, of course, a, sleep, a steep slide in oil prices that is limiting activity in Canada's energy sector. Analysts at all the big five Canadian banks are now predicting it will be at least March, possibly April, before our central bank makes its next interest rate increase, if at all. According to a new study by Dalhousie and Guelph Universities, the average Canadian household will pay over 400 bucks more in groceries next year. Overall, the average household is expected to spend approximately $411 more, bringing the tab to a total next year of just over 12,000 bucks to bring home groceries. The major food trends expected to affect those numbers include cannabis food products, Canada's new food guide, which will be updated and released very early early in 2019, and something called the ongoing protein wars between animal sources and plant-based options. But it won't be all food categories that see a significant rise in prices. Ultimately, it's fruits and veggies that'll be bringing up the bill. Fruit prices expected to rise between 1 and 3% follow behind the cost of vegetables, which are expected to see a 4 to 6% price increase next year. Meat and seafood prices actually expected to 
to go down or possibly stay around the same. Dairy prices will only increase by a maximum of 2%, and that minor change in dairy costs is likely connected to the new Canada-USA-Mexico trade deal, allowing easier transport of dairy products between the U.S. and Canada. Not something to look forward to, another 400 bucks out the door for groceries, but at least important to know that those increases are on the way for next year. On Tuesday of this week, uh, hockey fans in our area got the official word of what we hope will turn into a rivalry that will match the Whitecaps Sounders of soccer, which is pretty fierce. We all knew it was coming, and now the NHL has approved an expansion hockey team in Seattle for the 21-22 season, playing in the Key Arena, which is about to get a $700 million facelift. The other big number, $650 million. That's the expansion fee the owners had to pay for the privilege of having a team in Seattle up from the $500 million the Vegas people paid for the same privilege a few years ago. As was the case in Las Vegas, the NHL needed to see serious numbers of advanced ticket sale interest, which Seattle delivered in spades. Check this out. When Vegas started up, they took two days to get to 5,000 deposits on tickets and 18 months to get past 15,000. In Seattle... They hit 10,000 deposits in 12 minutes. They sold 25,000 in their first hour. And they finally had to stop the exercise at 35,000. So you think we might just have a barn burner of a rivalry in the making? One can only hope. And last weekend, we told you compass card wristbands were going on sale the following Monday, which they did. All 2,000 of the wristbands sold out in less than an hour, with long lineups of transit riders waiting hours to get their turn. Well, the wristbands soon, of course, popped up on Craigslist for resale, up from the original 6 bucks to as much as 60 or even 100 If that seems a bit rich, you might want to just wait until February. TransLink says the next, much larger batch of compass card wristbands will be ready then and will cost, you guessed it, six bucks. Those are some of the week's top consumer stories. We'll have a look at a few more as our show goes along. But coming right up is registered dietitian Abby Langer, who will talk about fad diets and nutrition myths, what and how to feed our kids, and the all-important topic of holiday snacking and eating. I'm Sterling Fox. It's a pleasure to welcome Abby Langer to the program. Uh, Checking her website, which is abbylangernutrition.com, I came across this line. When she's not working, Abby loves running, spinning, discovering new foods and spending time with her husband and two daughters. She has an undying love of anything coconut, avocados, and Nanaimo bars. And I thought to myself, well, this is a person we absolutely need to get on the program. Abby Langer joining us from Toronto. Hello. Welcome. Hello. Thank you. It's good to have you with us. Okay. What's the deal with Nanaimo bars? And they're listening to you in Nanaimo right now. I've been to Nanaimo. I went there this summer because I was in Vancouver for a conference and I took a float plane to Nanaimo for two hours specifically to get Nanaimo bars in their, the place where they were invented. And was it I worth the trip? Them. Oh, like, yes, for sure. Except that the float plane was like 100 years old and felt really sick. But it was, it was worth it, 100%. So what is it about Nanaimo bars that hooked you years back? I don't know. They're so sweet. 
It's the same with ether cream eggs. I mean, they're like the sweetest, but I don't know. There's something about them. I just love them. I love coconut. They have coconut in them. Mm-hmm, that's true. Welcome to the show, mm-hmm. Abby. It's great to have you with us this afternoon. We got a lot of a lot of ground to cover. And one of the yeah. things that you specialize in uh, is uh, debunking myths and uh, food myths, and particularly fad diet m- myths. And can we start yes. with that? We'll get to yes. all the seasonal eating and and feeding your kids and all that other stuff. And we'll open up the phone lines in a couple of minutes too. But sure. I just wanted to, to sure. hog you to myself for the first few minutes, and then we'll open up our phone lines. Let's talk about dieting. And because again, I'm going back to uh, uh, one of the uh, the the. Uh, items that you have uh, in your uh, on the website and you, you talk about uh, it, the whole matter of, of dieting and, and how it just it just is never worth it so let's talk about why mm. well dieting isn't uh, worth it for a couple of reasons I mean I, I think you know most of us have been on a diet uh, at one point or another and you know I think it, it the the number is about 1% or 2% of people actually succeed long-term on any kind of diet. Right. Um, because physiologically, it just doesn't make sense to restrict what you eat. Yes, of course, you know, if you eat too much, you're going to gain weight. And if you need to, um, if you need to lose a bit of weight, I mean, res- not restricting, but cutting down what you eat is, is necessary, perhaps. But I think people take it too far. And it affects not only your your physical being, but your emotional, um, your social, your financial. There's so many costs to being on a diet, and it's just not worth it. It's not worth it. But what I'm not I'm not saying you should just eat whatever you want. Right. It's okay, you know, if you need to lose weight, just to like ignore that and to you know just continue eating whatever you're eating. But really try to consider um, the cost of the plan that you choose, and it, it must be sustainable, and it, and you still need to enjoy life. Right. Now, the, the one aspect of dieting, the, the one adjective, and it's an odd one that we hear most about dieting is, of all things, yo-yo, the ups and yeah. downs of it all, because, as right. you say, it's always a temporary fix, isn't it? Yeah. Well, it's not always a temporary fix, but in most cases, it is. It is, and so people go through what we call weight cycling, and yep. weight cycling um, may be associated with increased risk for diabetes, increased risk for cardiovascular disease. But again, one of the pieces that we rarely um, we rarely take into account is the emotional piece. You know, how it is, is it making you feel to be having your weight go up and down, up and down, on a diet, off a diet, on a diet, off a diet. I mean, it's it's just it's it's exhausting, and it takes away from the joy in life. I wanted to ask about social media in the context of dieting because because of social media, a lot of people, particularly younger people, are even more acutely conscious of themselves and the way they appear to the rest of the world and are, in, in, in many cases, I think, hypersensitive to criticism. This is not helpful in the least, is it? No, it's awful. The social media, it's been proven, actually, there are several studies out there that social media is actually quite dangerous for body image and um, can really lead to, in, in um, susceptible people, uh, eating disorders and body dysmorphic syndrome. It's just people put everything out there and, you know, people, other people are very 
critical and it's easy to compare yourself as well on social media to other people it's very hard Mm -hmm. Uh, back to the dieting thing in terms of uh you you mentioned diabetes and it's a good example Mm -hmm. abby and i'm glad you brought that one up suppose now a person in in their adult life you get that i believe it's called adult onset diabetes and in your 40s or whatever you have a surprise diagnosis guess what you've got diabetes well you don't have to go on a diet but you do need to modify your food Food intake, you need to make some essential changes, and that doesn't mean you have to stop enjoying food, does it? No, it doesn't. Um, and just just to put a, a, a little bit of a aside here, actually, kids are being diagnosed with type two diabetes because what we're describing is type two diabetes. Yes, adult onset, but kids are being diagnosed more and more often now. It's almost like an epidemic because they're so overweight. And so what causes this um, type 2 diabetes at any age um, is mostly um, the fact that people put on weight and their insulin receptors on their cells are much less sensitive because they're crowded out with fat. And so what happens is your body's still producing insulin. Mm -hmm. That's the difference between type 1 and type 2 diabetes. But the insulin isn't properly reaching your cells with the energy that you're eating. So... Um, losing weight is one of the ways that we help control type 2 diabetes. It doesn't mean that everyone with type 2 diabetes necessarily has to lose weight because there's different, you could be on medication that causes it or whatnot. It doesn't have to be weight related, Mm -hmm. but in a lot of cases it is, and you are correct with with that. So um, you do have to take a look at your diet um, and and see where it could, you can make some changes. And of course, when you receive the diagnosis, uh, you're typically, uh, you, your physician refers you uh, to a program in your area. Many of the local hospitals and clinics conduct uh, nutritional clinics and advice uh, sessions for people who are recently diagnosed with diabetes. And a person like yourself, a registered uh, nutritionist, comes on and, and, and gives you a, a good explanation, at least, as to the modifications you need. But let's go to kids and let's talk about juvenile type 2 diabetes, because that that's 100% environmental, isn't it, Abby? Juvenile diabetes is generally type one. So, and if I so if you're saying if a child is diagnosed with type two type diabetes, two. okay, and I'm mixing up my terms, and thank you for the clarification. <laughs> type one is when you don't produce insulin, right? And, exactly, and, and you need needles and all that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if a child is obese. And they develop diabetes because of that. Right. That would be a type two. Yes. And um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's most most likely because of uh, the way they're eating or their body type. You know, if they have too much fat on their body. Um, in rare cases, it could be first because of something else. But we do see the overweight, obesity is an epidemic in children. So that is one of the most common reasons for type 2 diabetes in mm. children. I just did a story uh, in part of our preliminary here talking about the the prices of food expecting to go up next yeah. next year. Uh, it, the average okay. Canadian household is going to pay another $411 above what they already pay just to keep, uh, you know, the fridge full. And the most expensive or the most uh, areas... Mm. Uh, in which prices will go up the most this time around, disturbingly, Abby, are fruits yeah. and vegetables. That meat, yeah. and, meat and seafood is going to stay approximately the same, but fruits and vegetables are going up, and that's what we need the most, isn't it? Yeah, so I've read that whole st- the report as well, and yes, vegetables are the one thing that they say is the 
the item to watch because that vegetables are supposed to rise in price more than any other Correct. Uh, food in the supermarket. And it's a problem. But what I tell people is uh, frozen vegetables are just as good or even better sometimes because we live in Canada um, as fresh. They are flash frozen where they are um, picked and at the peak of ripeness within usually 24 hours. And if you buy frozen vegetables that are not seasoned or in butter sauce or whatnot, they're just as healthy or even healthier. Oh, is that right? And they're less expensive. Yeah. And they last forever. So if you're cooking for one or two people and you frequently have the problem of having, you know, leftover vegetables that go totally rotten in your fridge. And I have, you know, like four people in my family and we still have that issue. Oh, sure. Um, Frozen vegetables are so much better because they they last obviously so much longer in the freezer and they're they're healthy. And because there's again now there's a, there's another possibly an urban myth surrounding frozen vegetables, Abby, and I'm glad you you brought it up because Ooh, some people yeah. some people say nope 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 no not frozen stuff. As soon as you freeze it, it you 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 uh, it coughs up half of its uh, uh, nutritional <laughs> values. If you don't no. eat fresh, you're you're not doing yourself uh, enough of a favor. That is untrue, 100%. It's also untrue with vegetables. I mean, sorry, with fruits, frozen fruit and vegetables. But you can also get a serving of, uh, of veg, or, sorry, of fruit uh, by drinking something like palm 100% pomegranate juice, which is, uh, you know, half a cup is a serving. It has a, it's a source of potassium and antioxidants. So, I mean, there's other ways to get your fruits and vegetables. You don't have to despair that the price is going up uh, for fresh vegetables, but it is a problem. Yeah, I'm going to open sure. up. The, I'm going to open up the phone lines after sure. the news break. Uh, but I wanted to ask about before we take the break for the news. I wanted to ask you about the two the two substances that have been pretty much identified as the enemy when it comes to nutritional health: sugar and yes. salt. Yes. Let's talk about sugar first. Let's talk about sugar. Okay, I am in the camp where that says that you do not have to take all the sugar out of your diet because I don't think that's sustainable. It's not fun. I don't want to live in a world where I can't eat cake. And yes, I am a dietitian. I've been a dietitian for 20 years, and I can still say this with all certainty. A life without sugar and thinking that it's toxic and fruit is toxic and all of that, it's it's not okay. It's right. not normal. You just cut sugar down as much as you can, and that's that's good enough for most people. Most people just eat too much of it. Of course. Salt is the same thing. If you eat a diet, this is for both sugar and salt. If you eat a diet most of mostly whole, minimally processed foods and minimal um, ultra-processed foods, you are going to be fine. You don't have to worry about salt and sugar. It's the people who eat a lot of ultra-processed foods, a lot of fast foods, who tend to consume more of those two things. Right. And I'm Sterling Fox, joined on the line by Abby Langer, who is uh, talking nutrition and uh, diets. And, uh, uh, well, we haven't got to the seasonal stuff yet, but we did open the phone lines, and uh, we've got some callers. So, uh, Abby, if you're good to take some calls from Vancouver area listeners, let's start with Brenda in Delta. Brenda, thanks for waiting. I appreciate your hanging in through the newscast. Good afternoon. No problem. Thank you very much. Um, I was just curious about um, how much uh, hormonal imbalance or hormones had to play with weight gain? Uh, it's not for myself, but it's uh, just curious. 
Yeah, absolutely. Hormones play a huge role in weight gain, especially in females um, past the age of, say, 40, 40, 45. Um, The imbalance of estrogen and progesterone play a huge role in weight gain. Um, And unfortunately, there's not that much that can be done with diet. It can be exceptionally hard for weight loss. Um, so what I do recommend is to do some weight-bearing exercise and weight training. The only way really to increase your metabolic rate um, mm-hmm. is with building muscle and to fine-tune your diet. So um, because what happens is that your body ends up eating less calories during those times. And so, and I'm not sure what, you're, what hormones you're referring to, but that's, I'm just talking about the, the female hormones, but... So um, it's always worth a, a visit to a registered dietitian just to check out where your where your diet can be tweaked a little bit. Um, but yeah, it's it, it can so, it can have a huge effect. Do you think intermittent intermittent fasting would yeah. would help this person? You know, so that she's not continually um, you know snacking all day. Ah, oh. so, <laughs> yeah. um, does it? I don't know the person, and it does depend on the person. It, you know, the best diet is the one that we can stick to, and yeah. certainly intermittent fasting does have some really positive research behind it. So, mm-hmm. uh, but I, if this person has any kind of history of an eating disorder, for example, I would say absolutely not. Don't even go there um, because you're fasting, and it's just not healthy, um, I'd still encourage them to go to a dietitian just, even if they were interested in intermittent fasting, to know that they're doing it right. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, again, it, it may work for this person, and it may not, but yeah, it, it's something they can consider if if it's appropriate for them. Brenda, okay. is, is your okay. friend a physically active person? Because Abby seems to think, and, and I've heard this advice before too, that uh, a, a way of dealing with those sorts of hormonal imbalances is physical activity. Um, you know what? Uh, I think you hit the nail on the head. Um, no, she's she's not actually. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's a huge um, part. Yeah. You know, the, the one thing that's important to know is that it's impossible to exercise off a bad diet. So in terms of exercise, if your friend is not active, um, make sure that she understands that um, by exercising, she's not trying to exercise off the food. It's more that she's trying to exercise uh, uh, for overall health and to build muscle Mm -hmm. because that is going to be more impactful for her weight at this time. All right, Brenda. Thanks sure. Thanks very much for the call. I hope this okay. has been helpful for you. 604-280-9898. If you'd like to join in, as Brenda has just done, 604-280-9898. Now, we were talking, Brenda's question dealt with a person who snacks a lot. And uh, let's let's move along to the fact that, that, Abby, that we are now um, approaching, yeah. and in fact, uh, some of us are already deep, hip, deep in the snack season. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the yeah. big stuff, of course, usually comes uh, the, to the couple of weeks surrounding Christmas and New Year's, but staff parties of already begun uh, gatherings of friends and family for uh, dinners and occasions have already begun and oh my gosh the the foods the treats they're just they're just wall to wall and non-stop and of course tasty as all get out oh yeah for sure and you're the person who doesn't want a life without cake and i i hear you and echo that sentiment but of course it's all about balance and moderation isn't it yes it is balance and moderation but those two words are so nebulous who they're so subjective mm-hmm. why 
you know, they mean different things to different people. So what I suggest over the holidays is, um, first of all, don't miss out on the things that you wait all year to have. So, you know, my mother-in-law's stuffing, for example, or my mom's pecan pie, I'm definitely going to have some of that. Of mm-hmm. course, I don't eat it all the time. I get it a couple of times a year. Um, things that you don't really care about um, that you can get all the time, that's, you know, I would say probably a good idea just to leave them and just understand that, like, you don't have to skinny everything or put cauliflower in your mashed potatoes. Just eat the real thing. Don't dwell on it. And just try to um, not be on a diet. Right. Because you know that when you're on a diet, you're going to eat more. It's just psychologically so tough. And, and, and of course, your, your, your point about there are things that are available to eat over the Christmas season that are just not available at any other time of the year. And some of us just look forward to whether it's your mom's pecan pie or grandma's uh, sugar cookies or whatever it may be. Uh, You you don't want to miss that. And you you just don't have to have 12. One or possibly two would do, right? Yeah, absolutely. There is no reason to miss it. And I, I, no circumstances do I want anyone to feel bad or guilty about eating anything um, over the holidays or in general, I mean, it, guilt and shame do not play well with food and eating mm-hmm. and should never be a part of that. Um, you are not your diet. You are not your weight. You are you. And, it, you know, I want you to eat and feel the joy and enjoy the company of friends and family this this season and, you know. Have a have a have a nice time and not worry so much about how many carbs you're eating and sure. all of that. Just, just sucks the joy out of life. No kidding. Uh, we just yeah. lost uh, President George H. W. Bush this yeah. week, and one of the one of the big jokes while he was president back in the day was his absolute. He just couldn't stand broccoli, and it became a joke. They even it, it even became it was it a joke at his funeral all over again. Uh, but you know, mm. I, I'm, I'm leaning on this by way of children. Because broccoli, of course, is one of those vegetables. I happen to be a big fan, especially if you want to throw a little Bernays on the side. But nonetheless, it's one of those uh, vegetables that you either like or you're just not going to go in. I'm not going to touch it with a barge pole. Kids, (laughs) kids, some kids are are difficult in terms of getting them to eat their broccoli or whatever that vegetable du jour might be. And you talk about shaming and all the rest of that and, and, and not being a food-related thing, and yet parents tend to go, you eat your broccoli and there's no dessert and straight to bed with no TV and all that kind of stuff. So how do you get around that, Abby? You don't act like that with your kids because you're going to create a negative um, association with that vegetable. As a mother of two children, I understand, you know, it's our natural instinct to want our children to eat and to eat healthy. Um, But Nobody ever liked something because they were forced to eat it. Right. It's just, you know, um, surely we can develop tastes for certain foods, but being forced to do it is not going to ever work. So what I recommend to parents is to offer your kids a wide variety of vegetables. Don't make a big deal about it if they eat it or if they don't. If you make a big deal about it, it's going to become a big deal. So, and you must, must, must demonstrate um, yourself, your, get good eating habits um, for yourself. So if you don't eat broccoli and you say, well, I hate broccoli, of course your kids are going to hate it. Of course they are, They're yes. They're going to want to eat it. There's a, so, a clue to, to, to do something, right? Well, yeah, mom says it's no good. I guess it mustn't be any good. 
I sort of, you know, I hate mushrooms and, you know, I, I won't eat them. My kids have probably never tried them yet because they're young. But, you know, it's, it's so important to not put our food preferences onto our children. And mm. we must set a good example. I have a lot of parents who I've seen in my practice who, you know, whose kids don't eat vegetables and, they're, and the parents are so worried, but the parents themselves don't eat vegetables. Mm-hmm. And... So it's hard to navigate that. And I I basically tell them you have to set a good example. So start eating them, prepare them together, get the kids to choose the vegetables they want to eat. doesn't have to be broccoli. You know, some kids will eat only carrots or green beans or whatever. It doesn't matter. Right. If they have a favorite, lean on it a little bit. Nothing wrong with a bit of, nothing wrong with a veggie dip either, is there? Absolutely not. Um, nothing bad is going to happen if your kid only likes two vegetables mm-hmm. and or if they want to dip it in ranch dressing. It's not that big of a deal sure. as long as they eat them. Right. I'm back on the website here, abbylangernutrition.com, and you and your partner, Laura, uh, have all sorts of services that you offer out of your Toronto office, personalized counseling and group yep. sessions and all the rest of the. One of the things that you do, the two of you, is something called grocery store tours. Yeah. What's that like, and what do you do, Abby? So we take clients to the grocery store and we go up and down the aisles and we talk to them about um, what the better foods are to choose. Um, And typically these uh, tours are for people who feel uncomfortable shopping for themselves, that they they have a lot of confusion around what foods are healthiest for their families, how they need to be prepared. Um, And because there's so much nutrition information out there, it's, super hard for people, I think, sometimes to narrow down what is truthful and what's not. So we guide them around, and it's actually really fun. Now, one of the things that we've learned from the marketeers in the food business about grocery stores and supermarkets, Abby, is the fact that generally the stuff that is at your eye level... Uh, yeah. they, they, uh, manufacturers and food people pay a premium to have their products stocked on shelves right at your eye level. Now, right. is there any kind of rule of thumb when you do your grocery store tours about uh, ignoring that, looking up <laughs> or looking down rather than going at the stuff that probably costs the most and is also the most reinforced in terms of television advertising and the rest of it? You know, it's hard because you go to the grocery store and uh, most people, it, it, it's not that much of an enjoyable experience. You just sort of want to get in and get out. Yep. And uh, most people will just go in and get the same stuff that they always buy and not even look at other products. So what I recommend would be uh, try to find a day where you have a little bit more time where it's not such a zoo there. Sometimes during the week, if you can, um, or later on in the evening, um, and take the time to actually ex- explore the grocery store um, and do look above and below that middle part of the shelf um, because there's a lot of healthy foods that you may be missing. Um, also, one of the I want to talk for a second about one of the biggest myths, which is only shop the the perimeter and don't go in the aisles um, of the grocery store, because Mm. I hear that all the time, and it's one of the myths that dietitians cannot stand, because, I mean, in the perimeter of my Loblaws, there's ice cream, there's frozen pizzas, there's all that stuff, and while that stuff is in my freezer sometimes, it's not something that I want to buy all the time, Mm -hmm. Um, but in the middle aisles, which we are instructed to avoid with that saying, there's canned chickpeas, can tuna, pasta, like all of these things that you should be eating or should eat more often or that are healthier. So um, 
ignore that. Ignore that saying, only shop the perimeter, please. Mm-hmm. Interesting stuff. I hadn't heard that one uh, as uh, frequently as you say it's being repeated. I've, I'd heard it before, but I didn't realize it was there was uh, that much credibility uh, given to it. I want you to tell us a story, if you don't mind, Abby. I'm looking at the website again, and this is this is on. We uh, we touched on this earlier. How to deal with body shaming and at the yeah. holiday table, and you illustrate oh you illustrate this with a point, a personal story. And we have a couple of minutes. Tell us a story. Oh, my God, this was the worst. So my grandmother was a person who did not have a filter, and I swear there was nothing really wrong with her. She just, just was, a, she was a mean and nasty person. And um, so one time uh, I was in high school, believe her, a little bit older. We had our whole family for dinner, and my mom's friend came to dinner, and my mom's friend was overweight, um, and... So we all sat down, and my mom had cooked this beautiful dinner, and um, my grandmother was there, and she, and I could tell something was going to happen. And we were all started to eat, and my I could see my grandmother just eyeing my mother's friend up and down, mm-hmm. up and down, and she she said to my mother's friend out loud, "You're fat." Oh my. Like, just across the table <gasps> was horrible. I have never forgotten. I'm sure my mother, my mother's friend, probably has never forgotten. It was so awful. Talk about and suck it, the oxygen right out of the room in one oh, heartbeat, it huh? Was un- well, she was really good at that. Wow. That wasn't her only episode. I'm telling you, but, right, right, right. Yeah, but she was terrible. And so I, I guess so. I could you could you could palpate the shame coming from my mother's friend. Of course, bright red. It was. So, so horrible. And um, so, yeah, but the holidays are rife with that because, Mm -hmm. and people are very anxious about getting, going to the table with their, with their um, family or friends who are just intrusive with their comments. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's a big, it's a big deal for a lot of people. Right. Right. Uh, again, just watch what you say. And and again, as our moms taught both of us, I'm sure if you have (laughs) nothing good to say to someone, say nothing. Don't say it at all. There you go. Abby Langer, <laughs> thanks so much for this. It's great to have you on the program. We've never met before, and it, uh, it, it, this is the kind of conversation we, could, we should have again. Absolutely. Uh, sometime after we get over the holidays, and uh, we will talk about recovery sometime in January or something we like talk that. talk about New Year's resolutions. Oh, okay. That sounds good. Topic. It's a date. <laughs> and, and in the meantime, <laughs> let me recommend your website to our listeners. Thank it's you. Abby Langer Nutrition, all one word. Langer is L-A-N-G-E-R. AbbyLangerNutrition.com. Excellent website. Uh, all the best Thank to you, you over the holiday season, Abby. We'll talk again. And once again, our thanks to Abby Langer for a really interesting visit. Looking forward to the return of Abby to our show sometime early in the new year. Coming up in our next hour after the news, lawyer Stuart Zuckerman returns to take your calls and talk about family law issues, some of which get pretty sensitive at this time of year. Time now for Duly Noted. And this time around, our producer Ben Dooley has a look at ICBC's intentions to track you while you drive. Sterling. ICBC is launching a pilot project that uses telematics to track the way as many as 7,000 new drivers maneuver the road. The The public insurer will use a device in the inexperienced driver's vehicle to track behaviors such as speeding, braking patterns, and levels of distracted driving. 
The B.C. government is in the midst of a massive overhaul at ICBC. That includes having newer drivers pay more starting in September of next year to better reflect the risk associated with a lack of experience behind the wheel. This pilot will allow the public insurer to determine whether tracking behavior can measurably improve driving. Here's ICBC's Mark Milner. What we're looking to do is to see how effective this technology can be at, at bringing this down with a group that is more prone to crashing than, uh, than other drivers. Less experienced drivers are the target of this pilot because according to ICBC, new drivers are 5.6 times more at risk of getting into a crash than those with 20 years of driving experience. The insurer has had some success using telematics with 40% of participants seeing improvements in their driving by using the technology. I'm Ben Dooley, and that's Dooley Noted. Thank you, Ben. Time for a couple more consumer quickies before the news. And here's more on our top story about Canada's record low unemployment numbers we had at the beginning of the show. The Canadian Federation of Independent Business says it's seeing a record number of job vacancies across Canada. In its latest Help Wanted report, they identify 430,000 private sector openings today in Canada. Of those, over 67,000 right here in B.C., ranking only behind Ontario and Quebec, which, as we mentioned, are the top three in job creation of the Canadian provinces. There were increasing job vacancy rates in professional services, construction, agriculture, and oil and gas. The lowest job vacancy rates finance and information. The results were in the CFIB's quarterly Your Business Outlook survey. Not uncommon anymore to hear BC employers complaining they just can't find enough people. For example, our hospitality and construction industries are literally begging for workers. No surprises this week with the announcement that Queen with Adam Lambert are going back on another another grand tour and yes, Vancouver is on the appearance list. We say no surprises because because of the huge success of the movie Bohemian Rhapsody, the Queen Freddie Mercury biopic that served to revitalize all things Queen all over again. Original guitarist and drummer Brian May and Roger Taylor will join Lambert and bring the Rhapsody Tour to Vancouver at Rogers Arena Wednesday, July 10th. Tickets went on sale yesterday at Live Nation. That is our first hour of Vancouver Consumer, produced by Ben Dooley. Andrew Ferreira is driving. The news is coming right up. And then Stuart Zuckerman returns to take your calls on family law issues. We'll open up our phone lines right after Mr. Zuckerman joins us. This is Vancouver Consumer, and you're with 980 CKNW. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.